I'm excited today because uh, we have the opportunity to uh, celebrate fathers. Um, so if you have, if you're sitting next to a dad, just turn next to him and say Happy Father's Day. <clears throat> So before uh, Pastor Aaron went on his sabbatical, we were talking about um, just our plans for the summer. Uh, a lot of that involved um, just bringing in guest speakers and having uh, just new faces, fresh faces for you guys to be able to see and hear from, which has been great. It's been a, a, a <laughs> that sounds bad, like we don't want Pastor Aaron, but um, no, it's been great to see uh, new, uh, new faces and to hear different perspectives and to hear from, um, from some different people. And uh, so when we were talking about Father's Day, uh, it was an opportunity for us to look into our own congregation and see some of the fathers that um, are within our own church family. And so uh, Pastor Aaron and I talked, and uh, we wanted a, a diverse group of, of men, but also just godly men that we know are our pillars within our church and uh, our church family. And uh, before I bring them up today, though, I want to talk a little bit about um, fatherhood for a minute and why I believe that it has an irreplaceable role in our homes and also in our church. And to do that, I just want to share some statistics with you. Um, I don't, I don't share these stats to scare you or even to say that uh, children with single mothers or even single parents can't, um, can't do that or can't, can't be a great uh, role model uh, for their kids or, or that the kids can't have promising futures. But I want to share these with you because um, these numbers are staggering to me. And I think it's only, only for, further points out an epidemic uh, of fatherlessness that we are facing in America, and uh, I'm also sharing for, for dads, because um, I was shocked myself as a father to read some of these numbers. So this is according to the Census Bureau, the U.S. Department of Justice, and the National Institute of Justice. It says, the, <coughs> excuse me, the percentage of, of children without a father in the United States right now is 43% which is very high. I feel like that, that's almost 50%, so almost half of the children um, in the United States are without a father. 90% um, of runaway and homeless children are from fatherless homes. 70% um, of minors housed in state facilities are from fatherless homes. 39% uh, of inmates housed in jail are from homes with an absent father. Children without a father are more likely to show disciplinary issues. 63% of children who commit suicide are from a father's home. And children from father's homes are 400%, which this seems really high, but I, I cross-referenced this, are 400% more likely to live in poverty. And then 92% uh, of children from father's homes will get divorced. So some of these seem outrageously high, these numbers, but in all honesty, some of these studies go back even five to ten years, so they're probably higher, honestly. Um, and if you ask anybody about the effects of fatherlessness, what that effect has, they'll tell you it leaves huge ripples in a child's life forever. Uh, as I was coming up with some of these, these questions for our panel and thinking about what direction you know, I wanted to go in. Um, I came across an organization that it's created a community for dads, which is, is really great and much needed. It's uh, a community where they can go get resources, they can get plugged into small groups, listen to podcasts. It's all about supporting dads in their journey of Christian fatherhood. And it's uh, an organization called Dad Tired. Um, I encourage any dads to, to check that out. It's, uh, you can either Google Dad Tired or go to their website, dadtired.com. Um, and it is a great resource. Just, it's amazing. But um, as I was looking at this community more, I came across an, an, an interview from their, uh, the, the founder of this organization. 
And the title of the interview was called Dads Who Dwell. And the whole premise, this whole premise of his teaching was this, that uh, not having a father in the home is very detrimental. He, this founder, he talks about how his father left when he was three years old. And he said it was, it was so detrimental to him, and he's, he's since repaired his relationship with his father, but there's still just so many ripples that he has felt in his life. Um, but he said that something that might be worse than not having a dad who, than having a dad who's not there is having a dad who's physically there, but they aren't really present. And, um, you know, they're either consumed with work or technology or just living their own life and they don't prioritize their family. Um, but he talks about this idea, and we're going to talk about it more after, after the panel, but this idea of being a dad who dwells, who's just present. And um, I, I, I feel like the most important thing that we can do as dads and the most important thing as a community that we can do to support dads is to encourage them to be present and to be there. Um, all that to say, t- today is for everybody, but it's especially for dads. Um, and so I want you to feel encouraged and empowered. I want you to feel supported. Um, and I'm, I'm going to share a little bit more about that after our panel. But before, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to rant anymore. We're going to bring up our panelists. Um, so we have Brad Priday and Steve Goff and Josh Woodall. If they would come up here and join me up on stage. <coughs> They're clapping. You haven't even done anything yet. That's easy. So, um, I asked these, these men to, to come up and be a part of the panel because they uh, each have a different story, they each have a different journey, life experiences with fatherhood, and they're each in a different age bracket. So, <laughs> so we're, covering, <coughs> we're covering all of our bases here. Um, are they on? You don't want to hold that down? No, I don't think so. Sorry, should have had these turned on. Um, got it. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves just uh, briefly and kind of th- them tell you who they are. Uh, for those of you that, that do do not know them, but for those of you that do, you can maybe learn something that you, you didn't know, too. Uh, well, my name is Josh Woodall. Um, I'm 44 since, uh, you know, Cole tried to get a, represent different age categories. I thought that might be significant to, to mention that. Um, I'm married to Julie, my beautiful wife, and I uh, have one child, Caitlin. She's 11, and uh, most of you might know her better than me because she has uh, got quite a personality. So. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Steve Goff, and obviously I'm the senior member <laughs> up here today. <clears throat> When Pastor, when Pastor Cole asked me to participate in this panel, I said, uh-huh, you need an old guy, don't you? <laughs> and uh, obviously, uh, I am a little older. He asked us if we would like to share our age, and I said, sure. Uh, I'm 78 years old. And in fact, this week, I'm going to be 79. So, uh, <laughs> And I've been a father for 45 years. I have two wonderful sons, they have great families, and I got one son with me today, I'm so proud of him, and I got another son that may be watching online, and I'm proud of him as well. He's not here because um, our little, uh, his daughter, my granddaughter, 10 years old, had a ruptured appendix on Saturday, and um, she had the emergency appendectomy uh, yesterday. And uh, she's doing well, though. Uh, we've had a lot of people praying for her, and uh, she is doing well today, so we're thankful for that. I also had a great father. Uh, my father, I'm a PK. My father was a preacher, and so I'm a preacher's kid, and uh, he had a great influence on my life, and uh, I, do appreciate, uh, I do appreciate that from him. I'm Brad Priday. I think I'm on. Uh, 57 years old, almost 58. 
Hello. Testing one, two. <coughs> Blue. Hello. Hello. Hey. I don't need any reverb. I'm not singing. Brad Friday, I'm 57 years old. I'll be 58 here coming up. This is scary. Um, I've been a dad since 1992, 31 years. Uh, you guys see Kelsey up here on the platform. She's back in the back helping now. Uh, she is a twin. And then I have Kennedy. I didn't have him. Jennifer had him. Um, <laughs> Kennedy is 25. And uh, she just, I'm just telling the guys that she just had her gallbladder removed on Wednesday. So it must be surgery week here. But, uh, and um, my lovely wife, Jennifer, of 35 years this next month, so awesome. But uh, that's me. Cool, thank you. Thank you. Guys, um, so we're going to start. We have a few questions that I wanted to, to ask these guys um, just as, as fathers, and we're going to kind of bounce back and forth a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to ask them uh, questions. The questions will be actually up on the screen as well so that you can uh, see them. So our first question is, what does it mean to be a father and how has your understanding of fatherhood evolved over the years? I'll start on that. Um, like Steve, I had a loving father who was a teacher, coach, educator, um, and he taught me many things, but I think that as I was raised and as I understood what the Bible told me also, most importantly, was that I am a father to do a couple things, many things, but two things that I think most important are I'm there to protect and I'm there to educate in many ways. And um, I hope that I feel that, but in, in that education, I hope the first thing that I do is I have educated my daughter how to love their spouse. And I hope I did that. I hope I have. Um, I have one that's married, one that's getting ready to get married. And Kennedy said she doesn't have a suitor yet, so that probably might not happen for a while. So, But, you know, we were, Jesus was asked the question of what's the greatest commandment? They were trying to trick him, and he was asked, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all, with all your mind and then most important and then importantly is love your neighbors yourself and I've tried to to educate my girls and to do that no matter who it is because we all have differences we talked about differences a while ago but we all have differences and differences of opinions and we all have to love people no matter if we don't agree with them or not so I hope that I've done that as a father so that's why I think my role is I don't know about any of you others Yes, uh, the role does change, that's for sure. And me being the senior one up here, I can attest to that. You know, whenever the children are little, they're dependent upon you 100%. And uh, then whenever they get to be that, uh, you know, the teenage years and uh, going through that, uh, they don't want to depend on you anymore. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I can do this myself. I'm, that's, I had one son especially that way. I can do this my way and, and uh, I can do this myself but uh, you know and then as they get older and they get off get their own families uh, the role of fatherhood changes changes again and it uh, sort of is uh, focused toward your grandkids at that time and uh, you become a grandfather and uh, that's a that's a great part of life too but um, I've often said that fatherhood it's a lifetime commitment. If you do it right, it's a lifetime commitment. Mm. You can make a career out of it. And at least that's what we should be doing as fathers. You make a career out of it. It's, it lasts forever. Yes, I've got a 45-year-old son, and uh, still there's times that he calls me. And, um, hey, Dad, can you pray about this? Can you pray about that? So your role does change, but... Uh, be there, be there, fathers. Be there for the lifetime. Make a career out of it. Hmm. 
We're going to go to our next question, which is, what is a lesson from your own father or father figure that shaped your life? Uh, so I'll take the lead on that. Um, I was also blessed with a great dad. Uh, he was always present when I was growing up, and, and he's still very present and active in my life now. Um, the thing that sticks out to me most, the lesson that he taught me most, was about serving. And uh, to illustrate that, I'll, I'll share a, a short story here. Um, this is back when I was in junior high. I was about 11 or 12, and we were on a, a youth group canoe trip. And both of my parents served as youth leaders when I was a kid. And uh, as a junior high boy, when, when we got in the canoes, uh, me and my buddies, the, the, the only thing we wanted to do was be the fastest down the, down the creek. We didn't care about, you know, taking our time or whatever. We, we just wanted to be the fastest. And so we were always up by the lead boat. Um, but I remember we had, we had to stop for lunch because it was a long canoe trip. And so we had pulled off and we were waiting for the other boats to arrive. Well, partway through, my mom arrives and she had been canoeing with one of the other uh, adult youth leaders. And she saw some of the boats tip, um, you know, throughout the trip. And, and my mom was one that was always a little scared. That was, that was not really her. She wasn't comfortable in that environment. And when she saw these other boats tipping, all she was thinking about was her little boy getting in the water and maybe drowning or something like that. So when she got to that beach where we were having lunch, she told me, you are not riding with the other kids. You are riding with your dad <laughs> the rest of the trip. And I remember being mortified, like, really? I've got to ride with my dad the rest of the way? Um, and so we're, we're still waiting on other boats to arrive uh, to the beach area where we're having lunch. And, and I keep waiting. I don't see my dad. I don't see my dad. Where is he at? And um, so anyway, as, as some of these boats started arriving, kids were coming in, and a few of them were wet. And, you know, they had taken a, a dunk in the creek. And as they're sharing their stories about how they fell in and, and whatnot, a common thread was appearing when they would talk about, like, how they got back in their boat. And they're like, oh, yeah, Steve Woodall, he helped me get back in. Thought, well, that's interesting, and uh, you know, that, that came up a couple different times. Well, then finally, as, as we're still sitting there waiting for the boats to arrive, the, the last boat to come in was my dad's canoe. And I didn't realize this when I set off because I was just concerned with hitting the water fast, but he was alone. He, in the front of his boat was the, uh, the cooler with all the food, with all the lunches for everybody. And so that's what he had been doing. He had been bringing up the rear, canoeing by himself with this cooler and helping kids get back in their boats when they fell out. And uh, just thought that, that that stuck with me over the years. 30 years later, I think about that and the, and the way that he served and faithfully. Hmm. That's good. Good. My dad was a great support. Um, can you hear me with this one? Yeah. My dad was a great support for me. I can remember, uh, I could tell you story after story about how he supported my agenda. It wasn't his agenda but it was my agenda that he supported. And I'm not saying that's bad. Fathers, you know, we need to help our, we need to help our children to uh, set goals and to uh, achieve those goals. And sometimes those goals can be initiated by us, but my dad was always good to support, to support my agenda, and I tried to do that as a father as well. If uh, one of my sons needed something, I wanted to support uh, what, he, what he needed me for. But, uh, one quick story. Uh, I was probably 11 years old, uh, maybe 10, and I wanted to start my own business. And that business was a lawn mowing business. Well, um, I had a friend that uh, had several yards that he'd accumulated that he was able to mow for different people, and he was too busy, so he said, uh, hey, Steve, he said, uh, I'll give you three yards. I'll give you three of my yards, and you can... Uh, Start mowing, have your business. Oh, I was excited, I went home, and I said, Dad, I'm gonna start mowing yards, I'm gonna make some money. And you have to realize I was from a poor preacher's home, and uh, the money was exciting to me, I was gonna make some money, and my dad said, well, he called me Stephen, he said, Stephen, that's all great and good, but he said, how are you gonna mow yards without a mower? And I said, well, there's a mower out in the barn. I mow the, I mow the churchyard with that, and I mow the parsonage yard with that mower out in the barn. He said, oh, but that's the church's mower. You can't, you can't wear out their mower. Well, I was dejected. How am I going to start my business? How am I going to make money if I don't have a lawnmower? Well, my dad supported my idea. Next day, he said, let's go downtown. And we go downtown to Mr. Bassbinder's hardware store. And we walk in, and uh, there's a whole row of long boy mowers there, beautiful mowers. And he said, uh, 
the uh, hardware guy, Mr. Bassbine, he said, which one do you want, Steve? And I picked out the most expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful lawn boy, and, it, and I said, that's the one I want right there. And he says, I think we can make those arrangements. Well, I, I'm sure my dad made a little down payment, and I'm sure Mr. Vassbinder helped out too. But I, was, I had my first installment plan. Hmm. And, I, and he told me, he said, now if you'll come and pay me X number of dollars every week after you mow your yards, he said, that mower's yours. So my dad worked that out. He supported my agenda. Hmm. And... Um, I encourage all fathers to support your children's agenda. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, so my, my father, uh, most of you know because I've shared about this, my, my father died when I was 15. Um, I had a great father, and uh, I felt like I was kind of robbed a little bit by uh, losing him when I was so young. But um, my dad's dad... Uh, which was my grandpa, he stepped in uh, in a very powerful way uh, when I lost my dad. And so he became a, a very uh, good father figure for me. And so um, I say all that to say that um, even if you don't have your dad here with you, there's other, there's other men that God is going to put in your life. And I know that was a, um, a really big encouragement to me. Uh, he's since passed away now, but um, I was able to to have a father figure even when I didn't have that. Um, and and God had placed many many men uh, in my life um, after my dad had passed away, and so uh, that was just uh, another way that God was was guiding me in a in a great way. Um, and one of the lessons that I learned from my uh, my grandpa. Um, that I'll always, I'll always remember is, because uh, I would talk, I would come to him and I'd say, you know, I'd call him Papa. I'd say, Papa, I'm so busy. I've got this, I've got that, you know, and, um, or he would ask me to, you know, to do something. Like he'd say, hey, get, get your oil checked in your car. Take, get, get your car an oil change. You know, I'd say, well, I'll do it when I, you know, when I have time. And the next time I'd see him, he'd say, hey, did you get your oil changed? And I'd say, no, I just didn't have time. And he, he would always look at me and say, Cole, he said, Everybody's got the same amount of time in the day, 24 hours. It's just how you use it. And so, and that, that spoke to me because I needed to, to, to prioritize some things in my life. And, um, I mean, that's common sense. Everybody does have the same amount of time in the day, you know, but sometimes we think we have less time <laughs> than other people. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's prioritizing. And so that was a lesson that he, that he taught me. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one. It says, uh, number three, how can fathers cultivate a strong relationship with their children while balancing the demands of work and other responsibilities? That's a tough question, Pastor Cole. Um, you know, fathers, we're all busy. And you know how busy you are, especially whenever you're just getting started out with uh, your families and everything. Uh, it seems like uh, everything's t making a demand on your time. And it is so important to make sure you prioritize your children. I remember uh, I had a mentor whenever I first started teaching. Um, I had a mentor that uh, I'd always tell him how busy I was. I didn't have time for this. I don't have time for that. And he said, take time. That just, that plane. Take time. Well, that sort of became my motto. And I know my wife bought me a little plaque and I put it on my desk. And that plaque said, and it reminded me every day, take time. And you have to just be, uh, you have to be diligent about it. You just have to say, hey, however I can find some time for my child, whether it's, you know, going to their ball games or supporting their school activities or even if it's just uh, around the dinner table, you know, then that's when you can take time. Hey, kids, what'd you do today? <coughs> Here's what I did today, and you share with each other. You do things like that. But make sure that you, uh, you find the time and you take the time to uh, support your kids and that you uh, listen to them every single day. 
Just to echo uh, some things that, that Steve is saying there, I, th I think being present and, and being intentional about, about your time are, are so key. And uh, something that came to mind for me was saying yes. Um, and, and by that, I don't mean uh, you know, being a doormat or, or not having boundaries and rules, but just when, when your kids are asking for your attention, do your best to say yes. Um, you know, I find myself oftentimes saying, in a minute, or, or we'll get to that later, or just after I finish this up. But sometimes I just need to pause and say, yes, yeah, I'll go play catch with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play this game with you, whatever it might be. Um, so look for opportunities to say yes to your kid. For some of you that might not remember, the, the dining room table, it's a kind of oblong. It's in a separate room. It gets used. It used to get used a lot. It doesn't get used as much anymore. I don't mean that as a bad joke. It's just, unfortunately, as we talk about time, um, it's something that's happened, and it's, and it's happened to my family. My dad taught me a lesson as a teacher, and I said that, and I didn't mean to point anything at you, but when you point your finger at one person, you got three of them coming back at you, so this has all happened to me, so I understand that, but we just, just like they said, we have to be present in our kids' lives, and in, in all aspects of their lives, because as a dad of girls, um, I didn't want someone, I didn't want some teenage boy to step in and be the, be a father figure to them, um, I didn't, I didn't want that. I want them to feel loved by me, so therefore they feel the love that, um, that they have and they need. Uh, obviously their heavenly father gives them that love, but me as their earthly father, they, they need to have that. So that's something that I just have always, I wanted to, you know, be there for my girls all the time, no matter what it was, so. How can fathers be spiritual role models for their children and help them develop a sense of identity and purpose? Well, I think there's some obvious ones there, such as you know, praying as a family, making a Bible reading part of your, your, your routine, um, also talking about faith issues openly as a family. Um, but something else that we've settled into with Caitlin is, is at nighttime, part of our bedtime routine is doing a blessing with her. And for, for us, what that looks like, there's a blessing prayer that we, we say every night as a family. And then we always follow that up with um, this, this short statement, you are great because, and then, then we fill in the, the end of that sentence with something, hopefully something that we've seen in her that day or, or that week, some quality, some trait that we want to call out in her and, and say, I see what you're doing here, and, and we're really proud of you for that. Um, we also like to share desires, hopes and dreams for her, things that, that we want to see for her future. Um, so, so that blessing has been an important part of, of our routine. Uh, very well said, Josh. Um, you need to pray with your kids. We always called them night prayers, and every night we knelt by the bed and uh, and we had night prayers. And you know, there's one man that that really got prayed for a lot at our house. His name was Russ Burge. You know, I never really remembered him that much. But my kids caught on to that, and we prayed for him for a year. <laughs> Every night, it seemed like it was Russ Burge. I don't know. Uh, he may have passed away. I don't know what happened there. But we prayed every night by the bed. And another thing I would like to say, dads, read to your kids. And start early reading to your kids. And uh, I remember my father taking me on his lap and reading me the Bible stories. And, um, oh, how I loved that. And your kids are never too young to start that. Read them the Bible story. Read them the scriptures. It'll pay off. Hmm. How can fathers navigate the challenges of raising children in a rapidly changing world such as technology, social media, and cultural influences? That's a lengthy one. Wow. Hey, just, just a second, Brad. I want to point out sure. that... Cole and I, as the younger members of the panel, are using paper and pen, while as you guys are over here with your cell phones. So we, we've got a lot to learn about technology from these guys. Yeah. So they're going to answer this question then. Is what the... Well, I'll, uh, this is a real funny story. I, I mean, most of you know that I'm an insurance agent. And uh, unfortunately, I think it was like three years ago, State, State Farm came, I'm not a State Farm agent, but they came out with a statistic to show that 
They had $6.5 billion in, in losses that year, and 62% were from distracted driving, cell phones. So I'm gonna give my PSA, do not text and drive. Again, I'm pointing my finger and there's three coming back at me. But, um, funny story, um, Kayla, which is Kelsey's twin, she was a senior and she had a bunch of friends, she played soccer and she had a bunch of friends that went to school at Kokomo and she wanted to go see Kokomo play uh, against Marion in basketball over at Marion. And it's been, you know, February, it's snowing. And she, she texts me in the morning and throughout my day, I was too busy to respond and she was at school. She didn't need to be reading texts at school. So about 2.30, I started returning her message and she calls me and she goes, Dad, you never responded to my text. And I was like, I'm doing it right now. She goes, I'll hang up so you can finish your text. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Kayla, it's about communicating. We're to communicate. This, ch this child went to IU, finished with a 3.9 grade point average at IU. I'm like, you know. But unfortunately, technology has become a big part, not only in our kids' lives, but in our lives. Um, and that dinner table that we were just talking about so many times, and I hope you have, if you haven't as a, a young family, have, because um, it bypassed me, is I hope that you're, when you are having those chances to eat at the dinner table, is to make sure every time that the phones are put away. Because those are just like they, we've all been saying, it's such key times to <laughs> find out stuff of what's going on. Just one piece of information, and I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it is so hard because it's consuming so many lives today. And um, I'm not, I don't know how else to say this other than, and again, I'm pointing my finger, the three are coming back at me, but the, it, anything that takes our time away from what we need to do is not, is not good. And if it, our focus should be on our, obviously our Heavenly Father, and a lot of times that gets neglected because we're looking at our phone. When we wake up in the morning, you know, they say the first thing that you look at in the morning is what's most important to you. Whatever that may be. Is, is it the Wall Street Journal? <laughs> no. Is it the Bible? We all have a Bible. Everybody, there's a Bible app, and if you don't know where it's at, I'll show you. But, and I'm, but I'm not as, I'm, it's not the first thing I look at in the morning. I usually, first thing I look at is I go to my emails. Right or wrong or indifference, first thing I do. But... It's tough, guys, I, guys, gals, because <laughs> we're, we're a team, and uh, so. I, I might just say it another way, you know, uh, dads, well, parents, uh, take charge of your kids' technology. Take charge of their screens. Um, I'm proud of my, my kids. They, they uh, my, my, when I talk to my grandkids on FaceTime, my grandkids will say, well, I've only got so much time. On, on FaceTime, and, and it, I think there's a way you can set those devices up to where they'll stop. I only get to play this game for one hour, and I say, well, that's great, that's great. Your, your mom and dad are controlling your devices, and I think that's what we need to do, is just simply take charge of them. And, I, and yeah, that might be hard to do for some of us, but hey, take charge of them. And then the one part of that question was about the, the cultural influences of the day. Oh my, we've got, uh, we have some challenges there. Dads, moms, we have some challenges with the cultural influences. And I would say, lead them to the Bible. Lead them to the Bible. Let them know what the Bible says about some of the things that they're being bombarded with today. I, I did want to say one other thing it's about technology. And I'm going to tell on my, Kelsey, she's, she's back there, she can't hear us. <clears throat> Lily, our granddaughter, is getting ready to turn six a couple years ago. Kelsey, it was right around her birthday, and Kelsey got, there was a package that came, and it was some nice little toy that had bracelets and stuff. They were excited, and Kelsey thought, oh, somebody in our family had Amazon send it there. <laughs> no. Ke Lily, at four years old, she knew <laughs> how to look at things, and she was on Amazon, and she put a little toys in the, in the basket and she hit buy me now 
<laughs> and she gets a $39 toy <laughs> that she thought was a, that my daughter thought was a birthday present. But just what he was saying, then Blake goes in and changes all of his passwords and puts locks on it and stuff like that. And so it's very key. And it is, it's, it's so tough. Um, when we talk about, I want to say this, my dad was a disciplinarian and uh, I told my girls whenever they did something wrong, I'm like, I'm not going to punish you right now because I am too mad to punish you right now. Because if I give you your punishment, it's got to be something that I can live at, live with as a punishment. And today with technology and these kids' addiction and our addiction, whatever, if you tell them you're going to ground them a month from it, you better live up to it. <laughs> and so it's one of the things that I've, I've learned that I don't, I didn't give punishment when I was angry because it would be much longer than I could live up to. So just... Hmm. Are there any specific lessons or advice you would like to share with new or expectant fathers? You better take that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm up on this one. Because um, <laughs> I, I uh, most recent, I guess the, the, the dad with the most recent kids. Um, so, uh, yeah, one of, one of the things that I would say is just that prepare yourself to move from being selfish to selfless. And... Um, for me, that was, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> um, I wasn't prepared for how my life would change. And uh, kids are hard, uh, especially um, when you're young and you feel like you, uh, you don't have, you have very little responsibility and there's really nothing outside of yourself. And then when God <clears throat> gives you this, this baby um, and then uh, suddenly now your life is no longer just about you. It shouldn't have been in the first place, but now you get a wake-up call. Um, and for me, I was, I was definitely not ready for that. Uh, that's where I, um, I found out that uh, I had some anxiety and some stress and some, some things that I was not prepared to deal with. Um, but ultimately, go to God. Go to God every time that you <clears throat> have questions Every time that you're struggling, um, and every time we have a have a baby, every time we have a new baby, I go through this cycle again of um, of you go through the obviously the sleepless nights, be ready to lose sleep, um, but also uh, give yourself grace, give yourself a lot of grace because um, I've I've said this about <clears throat> you know we we've talked about. Uh, making time for our kids and um, prioritizing them. My daughters don't care about how much money I make. They really don't. They don't care about how much money I make. They don't care about the things that I, that I get them. They like it at the time, but they care about me spending time with them and prioritizing and being with them and being present with them. And so that's what you, as a new dad... You know, if some of you are expectant fathers or some of you haven't become fathers yet or wanting to be or if you're, you know, have small children, prioritize that. Be in their life. That's what they want. They want your time more than, more than your money, more than the stuff that you can give them. And they're not going to remember all those things. They're going to remember where you're there. Um, I, I know the question is, is aimed at new fathers, but uh, it, this is for new fathers and, and fathers in any season of life. But don't miss the moments. Um, there, there's an app, a website that, that, that called Parent Q that I've, I've come across. And uh, one of the things that they do, maybe you've seen this before, but imagine a, a large glass jar filled with marbles. And uh, Parent Q says that you've got about 936 weeks uh, from the time that a child is born to when they graduate high school, um, approximately. And so imagine that jar filled with 936 marbles and then taking one out each week. Um, and, and it kind of a, a visual indicator of, of your time with, you, with your child just kind of slipping away. Um, you know, maybe I should have Julie close her ears right now, but, uh, you know, our number now is 371. And so it's, what started at 936 weeks is down to 371. So don't miss the moments. Um, to new fathers specifically, it's something that, that I heard a speaker say one time is that the days are long, but the years are short. Um, and, and I've found that true in my life. 
Uh, I'll just share one last thing here. Uh, it was part of a small group a couple years ago, and uh, it, it was a video series, but Gary Thomas was, was the speaker of this, and he was talking about a, a moment in his life where he's, he's at the mall, and he's observing a, another, a younger father, and this guy has, has a young kid who's able to walk, but just kind of tired from the day. And the dad is carrying several bags, you know, through the mall, and, and, and the kid looks up and, and says, Dad, will you carry me? My legs are tired. And so as Gary's observing this, he, he sees the dad. He, the dad looks a little weary, but, but of course he does what a good dad does. He shifts the bags to, to one hand, and he picks the, the child up in the other hand. Um, and, and Gary said his youngest child was 12 at that time. And it, it, he just, in that moment, realized he'll never have that again. He'll never, you know, his, he's, his 12-year-old, he's not going to carry her through the mall anymore. And nobody tells you when those moments are gone. They're just gone. No, nobody lets you know. This is the last time that you'll, you'll put your, your child on, on your shoulders as you walk through the county fair. Um, nobody tells you this is the last time that your kid will want to hold your hand as you're walking through the park. Um, so those things like that. Don't miss those moments. I know we've said a lot of things here this morning, and a lot of them have been advice for, for the uh, new, new and expectant fathers. There's just one other thing I got here in my notes. I said, don't be afraid to put them to work. Um, you know, um, a work ethic, that's a very important thing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my boys because they've had good work, work ethics and they have great jobs and they're supporting their families. You know, the thing, the thing is that they went to work early in my house. They had chores. They had things to do and... Um, and I think that helps them to uh, develop that, develop that work ethic and uh, to work hard and to do your best. You know, always do your best to get, to, to get what you want. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid to put them to work. <laughs> what's, what's the uh, funniest memory that you have had as a dad or with your dad? Too many. Um, <clears throat> I, I, before I say something funny, I know this is kind of, I, I hope you guys haven't, I sit here and listen to myself and I think, yeah, I hope I'm not being, I, I, I always hear Debbie down there, but I don't know what you'd say it from a dad guy's standpoint, but I, I hope it doesn't sound that way. We, I want to be positive as possible. And I, and uh, so, I, but I, one thing I meant to say earlier was this, um, some, Some guys aren't able to be dads, unfortunately. And I hate that. Um, but you guys understand if you weren't able to have children, sorry, I don't mean to cry, but you are a father figure to somebody. Somebody's watching. And uh, I, I wanted to say that earlier, I'm gonna say it. Now I'm gonna tell you something funny. <laughs> I talked about educating, um, and I try to be that way to my girls and help them through life, and I hope I still am. I still get phone calls, usually about money, insurance, all those important things, I guess, in life. But I have a whistle, and I'm not going to do it now, because, but my girls can hear, my Aunt Jennifer, can hear, they know my whistle among anything. It doesn't matter where we are. We, when we lived in, we moved here from Missouri almost 19 years ago, where I grew up in southern Missouri. And Kayla, Kelsey's twin, she played, she played soccer competitively, and she was probably two or three soccer fields away. And I whistled, and boy, her head just snapped, just like that. And I'll spring forward to um, when they were in high school. We, we were in the middle of Northwestern gym, and I was on the top row, the ball game was over, and it was time to leave. And I whistled, and my three girls knew it was mine. And uh, it was might not be funny to you, but to me, man, it was the funniest thing in the world. But I also think about that whistle as, uh, you know, just like that song we just sang a while ago, he's never going to let you down. I hope my girls see that in me, you know. But that whistle was the, it become funny at our house. Jennifer's laughing if nobody else was. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, but no, I, don't, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm too dry. <clears throat> I gotta get some water. I'll do it. Well, you can you can think of a lot of a lot of funny stories whenever you think about uh, uh, times with your kids. But um, I guess my mind goes back to a time. Um, I was very busy as the principal of uh, two schools at this particular time, and uh, my kids were real young. They were, they were just uh, toddlers at home. And, and um, so one night I had to be away from home, and I had to go to uh, supervise a spelling bee. You know what spelling bee is? You probably, when you were a kid, you were all in those. And um, so um, uh, one of the boys said to uh, Carol, said to their mother, well, where's daddy? Where's daddy tonight? And she said, oh, he had to go to a spelling bee. <laughs> and she began to tell what that was about how kids would spell words. And finally, there was one, you know, they would spell until they were down. And then there was, there was a winner at the spelling bee. And then one of my boys said, oh, I hope daddy wins. <laughs> um, I don't know. Something that comes to mind, I guess, was just a, we were on a, a visiting family up in Michigan, and, and they had an expansive property with some, some woods behind, and uh, they had a couple of ATVs that they would let people take out, um, and so they were very generous to let us ride their ATVs, and, and so I remember uh, Caitlin was maybe four, I don't know, something like that, so I get on the ATV, she's, she's behind me holding on, and uh, we take off, and we're riding around in the woods for a while, and uh, at, at some point I realize I am lost, and <laughs> I cannot tell how to get back to my, my cousin's property. And uh, so it wasn't funny at the time, but ended up being kind of funny. I remember later when we got back and, and uh, I you know, finally was able to figure it out, one of my... <laughs> One of my second cousins had to come and rescue us. But um, anyway, later on that afternoon, they were asking some of the kids, oh, you want to go for another ride? And of course, Caitlin was like, with anybody but dad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my microphone died. Um, <clears throat> uh, I want us to thank just these guys for uh, them just speaking. And it takes a lot of courage to come up here and to talk about um, just being a, a, a father. And so if you guys would just give them a round of applause. I wanna, and I know we're, we're running short on time here, but I wanna share just, um, just what's my funniest story? Um, as, a, as a dad, probably, uh, um, that's too long of a story. My, my, uh, no, as a dad, I, I have a lot of like things with Arwen, uh, my oldest, that she says that um, the other day, like uh, I think it was, yeah, it was last night. She said, hey, uh, can we watch a movie? And I said, yeah. I said, maybe, you know, daddy can pick it because it's Father's Day. And she goes, well, maybe I can pick it since you're my father. And so she thought Father's Day was for her, but... Um, uh, she just has a lot of funny things. Kids do funny things. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about um, is just how can our church community play a role in supporting and encouraging fathers in their journey? And I have just I have four things that I just want to share with you. So the first one is we have to create a culture where fathers don't have to have it all together. Dads need space to admit when they're not okay. We're not striving for to be a perfect parent because there is no such thing. Um, but we need to create a community where dads can, dads can just mess up sometimes and they don't have to be perfect. Um, number two is dads need other dads. We need accountability. They need friends. Ar Arwen had asked me one time, this is another funny thing, she said, Dad, how can you be a daddy and have friends? And um, I know she, she didn't mean it to, to be that way, but it, it got me thinking, like, you know, you know how do dads have, have friends? And it's by being intentional. It's by, you know, making time and having accountability with other, other men. Number three, we must always point our fathers to Jesus. 
we always have to point our dads to our Heavenly Father. As a church, we need to encourage our dads to, to continue t- chasing Jesus. And then number four, we have to encourage our dads to be dads who dwell. Just like I talked about before the panelists came up, being present. And we have that modeled through, through God. We have that modeled through our Heavenly Father. So we look at, back at, at Genesis and we see when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, right? Did God just leave them and forsake them? No, he was with them. Now, there was a punishment, and there was, there was consequences for their action, just like we should have for our kids. But God, he continued all throughout Scripture. We see that with, through Adam and Eve, through the Israelites, through the early church. We see, and in, 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 leading all the way up into Jesus, where he dwells within us. What does it look like to be a dad who dwells, who's present with us, even when our kids mess up? What does it look like to be a dad who dwells, and how do we encourage our fathers to be dads who are present and who dwell. I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're just gonna, we have a short song that we're gonna do in worship. Um, thank you guys for, for just uh, um, being here today, for being dads, <clears throat> and for being encouraging as a church body to the fathers that are here. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that as our Heavenly Father, you've never left us, you've never forsaken us, and that you're constantly present with us, God. Pray that as we go from this place that we would just recognize that you, that you are the best heavenly father that we could ever ask for. And God, I just pray that we would each just realize the relationship and the desperation that you have for each one of us and the love you have for each one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.